Hi, and welcome to another episode of Startup Stories, where I interview the best and brightest startup founders and experts so you can be ahead of the curve with your own startup venture. This episode brings us together with Manuel Vinta, co-founder at Oxygen at Work, a startup that aims to improve air quality in office spaces using natural plants in order to improve the health of employees and reduce the energy consumption of the buildings. In this episode, we started off by looking at the startup's creation story and how Manuel and his team got their first customer without really having a product ready. Manuel dives deeper into what the first version of the product looked like and compares it to what it looks like today, explaining how Oxygen at Work can differentiate itself from its competition using data. Manuel also explained how his team tackles the challenge of selling a fuzzy and long-term vision of healthier employees to his customers, as well as his worst mistake and biggest achievement, launching Oxygen at Work and growing it to what it is today. Having Manuel on the show was a delight, and I'm super excited to share this founder chat with all of you today. Enjoy! Welcome, Manuel. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. C- could you? Could we jump right in and and uh, by you telling telling us a little bit who you are and what uh, Oxygen at Work uh, is doing? What problem is it solving? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you, Daniel, for having us. So my name is Manuel Winter. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Oxygen at Work. Um, so basically, basically what we do, I mean, we spend 90% of our time we spend indoors and most of the waking hours we actually spend at the office. If you watch the news lately um, or already for a while now, obviously, we heard a lot about climate change and, and rising CO2 levels and especially outdoor pollution, right? But uh, we do tend to forget that indoor pollution is a very big problem as well. And it was um, a little bit ignored um, in the in the recent years. So this is why we created Oxygen at Work. Um, basically, what we do is we use natural plants and combine it with modern technologies such as IoT and big data in order to improve the indoor air quality, mainly in office spaces. This improves the physical health of the employees as well as the mental health by reducing stress levels and increasing productivity. But we, we do um, take it also one step further by integrating the plant into, into a smart building in order to reduce heating and ventilation systems, through which we can save up to 25% of the energy consumption of a building. So basically, in a nutshell, what we do, we digitalize plants in order to improve indoor air quality and integrate it into smart building systems. That sounds like, well, it makes a lot of sense. How did you find, like, how did you test that indoor pollution? How did you find out that indoor pollution was was such a big problem? I mean, that's not something, you know, you discuss with, with people every day. No, not at all. Well, first of all, I mean, um, me and my founder, my founders, we, we spent a, a lot of time before in offices and and we experienced it ourselves. We didn't like um, the environment uh, too much. We, we suffered from some um, uh, uh, symptoms that are caused by, by our pollution. And, and then we, we also stumbled upon a, a video on YouTube that was ex- um, explaining um, the problem of indoor pollution and how plants can actually can actually improve 
the the air quality air quality indoors. This is this is basically how we we came up with the idea. Okay, what what were those uh, symptoms that you had? I mean, maybe there's. I mean, I could imagine there's a lot of people who have those symptoms but don't know what you know, don't really realize it. So, what are some some? Could you say that there are some symptoms uh, from indoor air pollution that people maybe don't see? Yeah, I mean. I mean the the most common one is is obviously headache. This is what so many people experience at the office. But it, I mean, it, it's it's not always easy to say that it's due to air pollution. Um, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Um, but headache is definitely the, the the main symptom. But then also also if you become tired in the afternoon, obviously it can be if you if you went out um, the evening before and partied hard. But but if if it if it um, if you experience it uh, regularly, that um, it, it's usually due to to high CO two levels, which basically uh, through which the, the the ratio between oxygen and CO two is in in an imbalance. So you get um, uh, less less oxygen to to your brain and to your blood, which is why the um, let's say the whole system um, um, goes down and you become tired and. But there are also other symptoms. There are many symptoms like itching eyes or itching throat, um, that are caused by by indoor air pollution. Yeah, I, I could imagine there's a lot of people uh, who have that. Me, for example, probably have experienced it. <laughs> um, okay, so so you saw that video and 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 you thought, okay, this there's something there. What were the next steps that you took? So the next step, we were, uh, we were very pragmatic. We wanted to, before, um, let's say, wasting some time on doing some some um, paper-based research or, or, or um, something else, we, we just wanted to test uh, test the market. So what we did before set, uh, before even having a name for, for that project or, um, or anything else, um, we called up 10... Ten big companies in in Switzerland um, talked to to HR and tried to sell tried to sell the solution and see whether whether we find some interest. And of those ten companies, three wanted to meet, which was great feedback. I mean, like this, we we noticed that there is some some interest and there seems to be some some need and then we had three meetings we had to come up with a name uh, create a website uh, an email address in order to confirm the meetings and come up with some kind of uh, presentation um in order to have uh, a proper meeting um obviously nothing came out of these uh, three meetings and uh, we didn't uh, sign a deal but it was a great way in order to test the market to see um, whether there is some interest and and need in the market and to get immediate feedback this is like and, and this is what we've been doing since then in order to test something and get some feedback, the best way is selling it because this is the most honest feedback you will get. If someone is interested in it, you know that you are onto something. If someone is even willing to buy it, um, that's uh, the perfect feedback you can get. And if uh, if a potential client that doesn't know that you're testing something but um, um, has actually actually thinks about um, buying something or not. Uh, will give you feedback. That's exactly what um, what you need. Yeah, for sure. I love the I love the fast uh, the fast approach to 
how you did it. How did you get that first customer though? What what's the story behind it? What what was the evolution from those three meetings to the first customer? Um, so we just kept on um, called calling or called emailing companies. Uh, trying to find some people that would be interested in and then at some point at some point someone someone actually wanted to buy the service it, it was really just uh, hustling to um, to uh, going to all the, all kinds of directions and contacting people at at, at corporates um, till someone um, till someone agreed to 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 buy our solution there is, was no magic. There was no magic behind it. Just hard work. I, I was wondering um, while checking out your 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 service. Um, how do you sell someone? Um, or for me, it seems that the the benefits, although they're really important, might be a bit. You know, they're long term. It's health is a long term thing. You know, you can't put a plant in a room and then the next day everyone's. 100% happier, right? So so it's it's kind of a long term, it's like a fuzzy thing. How do you how do you measure uh, if someone's healthier? So I I I imagine that to be uh, a challenge. I don't know, was that a challenge and and how did you how did you sell companies your your service? How did you manage to kind of get them to understand the 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 value? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is the daily challenge we we face. Uh, I I would say, I mean, there's one one big thing uh, or two big things that that we can uh, benefit from, which is uh, one is that plants are not something new in the office space, right? We have um, plants since uh, about 50, 60 years inside the office, and it became um, kind of a standard standard equipment um, or, or standard decoration um, for for an office space. So we don't have to like. Um, we don't have to convince them that this could be like part of an office. It's not. It's not uh, something completely new, right? We have to mm. convince them that uh, that our approach is is the right approach to to not have plants as decoration, but really use it to its full potential in order to improve the air quality, improve the health, and reduce the the energy consumption. But uh, but you're right. I mean. Um, it's it's very hard to to convince someone about the future um, a future benefit and a long term benefit. I mean, we definitely benefit from from the uh, trends nowadays of of employers emph- um, emphasizing a lot that they're um, good co- companies, good employers, that they support the health of and well being of their employees, that they're all about sustainability and so on. So this definitely. This definitely helps us, um, but in the end, if you if you sell something, it all comes down. It all comes down to the dollar um, or the Swiss franc. Um, it's um, if you, if you want to sell something, either the company has to benefit uh, on the upside of um, increasing revenue or or saving cost. This is um, this is the hard truth in 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 business-to-business sales. So we definitely have to prove that uh, that the, the health improves, that the air quality improves, that um, um, a, a sick leave absences go down, which is very costly for companies, and that the energy consumption of the building is is um, going down. This is something that you will see immediately, right? If you 
lower the ventilation systems or lower heating systems, the next day you will have lower costs. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, in the end you have to to show the upside potential and the cost-cutting potential in order to to convince someone that the dollar spent uh, or the franc spent is, is, is worth it. Yeah. How, how much time do you, do you need to have your plants in an office um, for you to be able to show, you know, first uh, interesting results to the company? I mean, the projects that we do are long-term projects. It's, uh, you don't um, get plants and, and you take them away after two, two weeks again. So it's anyways long-term projects. The first results we can, uh, we can show after, after a few weeks um, uh, through the measurements that we do by measuring um, the, the air quality. We can show um, quite quickly um, how how the air quality improved and what the, the status of the, the air quality is now in in order to to make the jump from there to to the health of the employees let's say it's either either um, you do um, you do a logical step by saying okay if there are less pollutants in the air most probably your employees will be healthier right. um, but um, to show it obviously it's important to show it as well in the numbers. But this is, um, as you said, a lo- longer term, um, uh, longer term project, um, because obviously air quality is not the only influencer on on employee health. So for that, we need um, more time. What we also um, do is track the mental health of the employees, which is not that easy to to track. And uh, we do it with um, with surveys to track the subjective perception of the employees. Mm-hmm. Which gives a good indication of of their um, of their mental health, and this can be done as well after after a few weeks, while the 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 impact or the effect of the of the plans, comparing the before and after, is um, is still felt by by the employees. Before before I jump into the more about the product. Um... I was wondering how you identified your ideal customer in the beginning. Um, you mentioned, yeah, it's it, it, for companies, it's nothing new having plants in the office. So I was thinking, or I was wondering if you're mostly targeting companies that already have plants, but as a decoration, and then you come in and say, you already have plants, but now you could upgrade that and improve ABC. Or, or is there... You know, how are you targeting companies? What what are the ones that work best? If there, you know, if there's any pattern there at all? Yeah, I mean, by now we figured it out. or hope uh, we figured it out. Uh, what's our what our ideal client um, or target customer is? Um, but we definitely don't encourage encourage um, companies to get rid of their existing plants. Uh, that would be a shame and a waste to to get rid of them. If if um, if we approach someone and he has already plenty of plans inside the office space, we congratulate them for a great office and we move on. Um, so um, we definitely target companies that don't have plans yet, or um, um, and sometimes they have plans to have uh, some plans. Sometimes they don't even have it planned yet, and. I mean, in the beginning, we we just reached out to tons of different companies, uh, trying to figure out which one is the the ideal company, which one is the ideal 
person to speak to, which is obviously very important as well in B2B sales. By now, um, after now, after more than two years, it, it took us a while to, to figure it out, to get enough data points to really figure out which one is our ideal client. What's most important for us is a certain trigger event. That's what we um, what we identified as being the most important success factor in the, in, the, in B2B sales. So um, there are some event, trigger events that um, trigger an interest or a need in, in our solution. So let's say some there there is an existing office where all the employees complain about the air quality, where everyone says, oh, it's too dry in here, or I have a headache, or um, we have stuffy air here. So then obviously the company has to do something, assuming mm-hmm. that they care about the employees, but um, that's that's a given mo- mostly nowadays. So that would be a trigger event, which, um, which is um, when our solution becomes um, interesting. So now after um, like... Uh, after a while, we, we defined the, the trigger events, which are crucial for us um, in order to, to increase the success rate of our leads or our sales process. And we try to only target um, companies that experienced such a trigger event. That sounds easy, but I, I, I would imagine it's difficult to know if, if, if a company has had that trigger event. How do you... How do you, how do you see or yeah find out yeah that's that's the that's the magic or uh, what we feel is the magic of, of our sales process to to really know where um where a company experienced such a trigger event so um first of all what uh, what we did after approaching tons of companies and and closing some deals we went and, and analyzed the deals and saw okay each of those had some kind of trigger event actually we never closed a deal so far with with a company that didn't have a trigger event um so so like this we 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 identified the various trigger events yeah then it was um and it still is very hard to find companies that have um, those trigger events and the the way we try to do it is through an in the, um through an indirect information channel let's say Mm-hmm. where we try to identify people, organizations, companies, or um, other information, re- um, information sources that would know where um, or which company experienced such a, such a trigger event. Cool. Well, that's uh, this is very interesting, the things you find out and, and, and how you're approaching it right now. If we, if, we have, if we can dive into the product a little bit. So you, you started selling without having a product, which is, which is a very smart... Uh, way to do it uh, because you don't spend any money on building something maybe nobody wants um, what what did the first product look like what what did you sell in the beginning maybe we can do that and then what did the first product actually look like and then maybe we can go into what the product looks like now um, sure well in the beginning um, we as I said we didn't have a product we had an idea and 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 a story and, and an idea of a solution and we're selling it till till actually one one client um, uh, wanted to buy it, and and then we had to create the product in order to, to in order to deliver. So in the beginning, it it was really very very basic. So we had the idea, okay, of improving air quality, um, 
through plants we were basically selling plants uh, we didn't want to we didn't want to sell plants because what we from the beginning on wanted was uh, recurring revenues in order to build up a business and not be um, not be dependent on on continuously bringing in uh, new new deals so in the beginning it was really like an, uh, just analyzing the air quality with a sensor and renting plants uh, like basically well, designing the office space with uh, with new plants and uh, renting the plants on on a monthly on a monthly basis and from there on we like we continued selling we got feedback and and from there on we just um, started developing the product on the market, basically, as part of the of the sales process, we noticed that by renting the plants, usually those companies also want to get some kind of maintenance service, uh, which also we realized if we if we rent the plants, that the risk is too high if we uh, if we let the company maintain the plants um, for us. So we had to add that part to 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 our solution, and from there there on, it just like continued step by step. We realized the the importance of the data and the the large opportunity that the data that we collect has. And so we started developing um, um, additional services on top of the data, becoming much more more data driven. Where basically now the, the 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 final product is really integrating the the effects of the plants and digitalizing the plants and integrating it into into the ecosystem of, of a smart building in order to take uh, literally take it out of the of the office corner um, and from its uh, decoration status and and making it part of of, of a smart and and energy efficient building. Very cool. What, what what data are you are you collecting? Um, so that's a um, array of data. It obviously starts with with indoor air quality data. Um, we we add weather data um, to it um, and, and some outdoor pollution data because there is obviously a very high correlation between uh, between indoor and outdoor um, air quality. But then we, we, we also have some um, occupancy data, see how um, is the, the office space occupied by the, by the employees. Um, and in future, we want to add um, many more data points and, and integrate also the, the data from the, from the building systems, for example. Yeah, that's very data-driven. That's quite exciting. <laughs> um, I was wondering what happens if someone else just starts the same? Is, is the data, is, is, is that you know, the huge amount of information that you're gathering, is that how you differentiate yourself from a, a new competitor? Um, well, the data obviously obviously keeps us ahead for, for, for quite a while. Data just um, um, increases exponentially usually, and it's very hard to, uh, to, to catch up with data collection of someone that is doing it already for now nearly two and a half years. And, and what we always wanted to do, um, or what we always said from the very beginning, was that we don't want to use just some artificial lab data, but we really want to build our, our algorithms and our tools based on live data and uh, actual data from offices, which are very dynamic and change all the time. 
and only like this we can actually we can actually um, create the, the the optimal solution. So this is, uh, definitely keeps us on on top of the uh, ahead of of competition. But in the end, we have to innovate uh, um, all the time, and there are some some further some further ideas and solutions in the making, which uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna release uh, just yet. But in the end, what I what I personally believe especially i mean if you develop hardware maybe you can um, get a patent on it but even hardware it's just a matter of time till you can copy it maybe maybe you do a little tweak and and and, and you can copy it so if you want to stay ahead you just have to run faster and grow um in in order to 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 always stay ahead this is what i this is what i personally believe yeah for sure for sure and it's nice that you're showing showing that there's more to come, um, so people people can check out the, the website in the future. I was wondering one one topic before before I jump into into a question from from the audience mm-hmm. uh, and and some final some final questions. Pricing is is a very interesting topic to me, and as you said, it's you know, or as we yeah we talked about, it's it, it's a long term project and and. It, can be hard to quantify, although you you're, you appear to be doing so. What? How do you price your products? How, how, what have you you know found out and learned on the on the pricing side? Um, yeah, well, pricing is um, I believe something you keep figuring out each and every day, and you never really you're never really hundred percent sure whether you have the right price or not. Um, um, because it's such a complex topic. Um, first of all, you have just uh, like, um, obviously the, the various costs that you, that you need to um, that you need to cover. Then you have the financial benefits that uh, that you're uh, hopefully able to to give to your clients. But then there are so many different aspects. Uh, let's say let's uh, think for example about sustainability. Um, we are uh, with our solution. We are able to save up to eighty-five kilogram of CO two per workspace um, for a company per year. So this, obviously, by reducing energy, you save you save some money. But what what the financial benefit of each saved kilogram of CO two to a company is in terms of uh, PR and communication and so on? is basically impossible to measure. And for some companies, it's more important, and for other companies, it's it's less important. So, um, and this, in the end, plays a huge role in, in their willingness to pay, which is, in my in my opinion, the, the, the only factor that, that plays a role, how much are they willing to pay. So, um, we are obviously still figuring it out uh, a little bit. And, uh, but one thing which... Um, we are a strong believer in is um, simplicity in, in pricing. And I, I, I believe that for especially for companies, it's um, I believe it's also true in consumer products, especially in consumer products, but also for companies, it's um, the the easier you you make it for them to calculate their actual actual costs. Um, the easier it is for them to plan their costs ahead of time. The the better your pricing structure is. If it if it takes if if it takes you, I mean, our goal is always that we can in uh, we can say on the spot how how expensive it will be. 
which is why we usually have a pricing, um, a fixed pricing per workspace per month, including the whole service. Um, so then it's 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 very easy, right? You can just calculate how many workspaces uh, does the client have, or the client just knows himself. Okay, I have one hundred workspaces um, times the monthly price um, it gives him the, the the pricing. So you make it very very easy, and you lower you lower the the boundaries for for them. Otherwise, you will end up in in uh, uh, huge huge conversations and discussions on how to how to uh, tweak the pricing um, based on the, also based on the value that each client um, sees in in the in the various aspects of of your solution. Yeah, the price does need to to make sense, and 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 for that, I mean, simplicity is super important. You you kind of want to. Could you say that you want to get him to to the decision, yes or no, as fast as possible? Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. You have to make it as as simple as possible. Yeah, that's why 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 we chose to to have this subscription uh, model base, basically, um, which is uh, like if you if you if you want to get your Netflix account and you see it costs um, fifteen francs a month. If you're a regular, um, if you go regularly to the movie theater, um, you can do your calculation. Or if you um, buy on demand or whatever, you can do very simply your calculation and see whether it's worth it for you or you are not. And you know exactly, okay, it's going to cost me this amount each month, which is 0.0 whatever percent of your salary. So you can um, you can easily afford it. While if, if you have a, there's a super complex pricing it w- it will take so much longer for someone for someone to decide whether whether it uh, it's worth it or not cool um we got one uh, question from the audience that we're going that we're going to share and it's about the topic of of, of financing mm-hmm. uh, and the question is from from uh, bertrand and he asked when is the best moment for a company that is built primarily with private funds to look for an investor to finance the growth so right. i assume i assume you started with with private funds in the beginning and i don't know we didn't we didn't cover the topic of of your financing yet but yeah what can you say about uh, what's your opinion on that question yeah so i mean um maybe a little bit on the, on the background we started with uh, with private funds and um but only a small amount as i told you our story didn't include a lot of investments up front because we were selling before developing a product and from then on in the beginning we were basically we financed ourselves through through our clients because it was a solution that we could um, sell quite um, quite soon after starting the business and and this is how we financed uh, ourselves for a while uh, we did um, do uh, one financing round recently in order to increase the growth and it's very hard to say actually when when is the right moment to finance your growth because for each company it's 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 different and i mean as simple as it sounds you just have to be ready for growth if you're um if you're fa- um if you if you jump on an opportunity um to get some financing sometimes for some startups it's easy for some it's harder some really get the opportunity to just get some money and get some growth money um but 
if you ju- just jump on, on the opportunity before even being ready, whether it's um, the solution not being ready, whether it's your operations not being ready, whether it's your team not being ready from um, a skills point of view or from a, a size perspective, for example, it, for each company, it, it depends, obviously. But um, if, if, in, in, if, if you're not ready and you're, you're raising funds, you will either burn all all the all the money too early and not benefit from it, or if you're smart enough and you realize that that you're not ready and you need um, another half a year or a year, you actually fundraised too early and probably gave up too much uh, too much of your equity or control in the company. So, so I believe it's it's really important to know what what are the um, the criteria for your specific business um, that need to be in place in order to to grow or and do the next step of growth it doesn't have to be an expansion to all of Europe or to to another continent but whatever is your next expansion of growth uh, your ne- next um, period of growth that you have to be ready and um, by anticipating that if you know okay in one or two months you will be ready you can actually start um, start start getting the funds this this is what um, what i believe is how you find the right moment to to get um, to get the investment right so really having i mean you could you could just make a thought experiment and, and assume okay like what if we have you know 20 more customers a week or, or a thousand more customers a week or whatever, whatever business you're in, um, you know, will our website be able to, to function? Will our team be able to, to do the customer support that we want to do? Uh, and so on. So totally on the, on the, on the business and product side, I would even add, because I've seen that happen, that you also need to be ready on the customer side, meaning knowing that, if you put a dollar in to your marketing or your sales, you'll get X amount of customers out. So I, 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 I hear stories and I've experienced this myself, you know, having, getting, getting money, you know, people investing, but the founders or the startup not knowing who the target customer is and spending way too much on, on acquiring customers that are not the right fit. I mean, that leads to, to a situation where you promised your, your investors something a growth of a certain percentage or whatever, and and you just can't get there, so you can't deliver to to your investors. Yeah, absolutely, I I, I agree. I mean, the the market obviously has to to be in place, and you have to perfectly know the market for for your next step. Otherwise, um, you will burn the money as well. I guess I guess there are two types. Um, if you want to categorize it, there are two types of, of financing that, that you can get. One is growth financing, as we, we've been talking now, and the other one is basically getting your company in shape, um, If you, um, which is either marketing, that you know exactly what are your um, uh, marketing metrics, which, uh, which campaigns work and which don't. Uh, for us, um, let's say, talking about the, the, the example uh, I used before of, of identifying the right clients, for us, it was crucial to, to identify those trigger events. And if we needed some money to, um, to take some more time to properly identify those um, uh, trigger events, it's it, um, it would have been a much less money than than, uh, than um, growth money 
and and b uh, you get the money with a very different uh, with a very different target and you can actually deliver on that target and then you put your company in shape and 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 once you um, once it's in shape and can actually handle the next stage of growth then you can get the growth money if if, if you need it but um if you start mixing up the different the different things um, whether you want to need to put some processes and tools and people in place to get your company in shape uh, with simply growing um, and mixing up um, mixing up the stages of your company and mixing up the, the fundraising that comes with it then you will end up in a huge mess <laughs> there's a lot of things to consider but it's a super important topic. All right, so we're jumping into um, the last segment where where I ask a few a few personal questions about your story. The first the first thing I'm wondering is what what's something you believe you did badly while working on your startup, and maybe you can you can share an example. This is mainly for you know it, it's very interesting because very every startup and every founder has a different story. So having those examples of where someone did a mistake really helps. Uh, listeners and, and future founders learn you know to avoid those mistakes sure i mean some uh, summarizing it i would i would say that in the beginning the main mistake was to not have a proper a proper plan a proper um, let's say project plan in place in order to know uh, what are the, the different steps you want to take and 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 in order to track your progress and we were basically um, running around a little bit in all kinds of directions, in terms of finding clients, in terms of suppliers, in all kinds, um, and in terms of um, how to develop the product, and and not having a clear path. And and this obviously takes up a lot of resources and a lot of time, and you're just doing um, much slower slower progress. And for us, the, the um, what really um, helped us getting getting on track, having a, a proper plan and a, pro- a proper vision, which is very important as well. Which kind of goal do you want to achieve long term? Which can be you can obviously change it, but you need to have kind of this uh, north star where you want to go um, in order to have a proper direction. If you change it, then you properly change the direction of the company, which is fair enough. But if you don't have any kind of guiding guiding principle. You also have no clue where you're heading, and you you can also not um, change the direction or, as uh, as people call it, pivot um, your your business model. Um, so this is very crucial, and what helped us there was um, was uh, the the accelerator. We participated in Mass Challenge um, here in Switzerland, which is. Um, um, regularly in the top 10 of um, globally of, of um, accelerator programs. And there we really got the, the right um, coaches and mentors and, and sessions in order to put in, in, um, in, in order to create the basis of, of the company, have a, a, a clear structure, a clear a North Star where we want to go. And, 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 and like this, properly properly develop the um the company and basically turn a project into 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 a real company this this was for us uh, very crucial in our in our development um of, of oxygen at work what what does such a store uh, north star what what can it look like would you say you know do you define uh i mean it's obviously 
different things you can define as a North Star, but w would one example be you define the markets that you want to be in or the number of customers or revenue or what what would you say are some good examples that you can that someone could put as a north star well the the north star should not in my opinion should not be probably should not be something that you can achieve at least not in the in the short uh, like for sure not in the short and not in the medium term but maybe it's something you you as a company uh, want to achieve in 10 15 years time so if you if you talk about markets or or um, revenue or something that would be that would be a goal and it's um, that you can achieve and you can track how how far along are you in 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 reaching that goal while the North Star, in, 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 in my opinion, should be the guiding principle and the long-term vision, what, what you want to create. So what's important for us is to create um, healthy indoor environments for human beings. And, 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 and this is really the, the guiding principle. And, and in, it includes a lot of different things that we could uh, incorporate into our business or not. And goes much, much further than providing plants and improving, improving the, the, the energy consumption of a building. But it gives you um, a certain direction and a certain framework on which grounds you want to build your company. Right, right. And leaves, it leaves a space open for other things as well. Very cool. So, what's one thing you did really well then? Let's see. I would I would really say that the the approach of how to develop the product um, worked out really really well for us. There are obviously different theories and different approaches in how to develop a product and how to find the right um, market fit. But uh, we were in the lucky position that uh, plants were already standard inside office spaces and in the beginning we could position ourselves as a, just as a um, one more um, supplier um, that is a little bit more innovative let's say and with that great um, uh, starting point we could really develop the product with the most honest and direct uh, customer feedback you could get while uh, if you if you develop a product in your lab which sometimes is obviously needed biotech startups cannot go around and, and test their medicine before um, in their early stages obviously but the i believe the longer you stay in the lab and do hypothetical or theoretical tests of your product and, and market fit you will never get the the real and honest feedback that you need yeah so agree with you this is it's it's really cool to see that you went this way because you're trying to solve a, a real world need and not a, a lab need or problem and 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 you're getting so much feedback from from customers on 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 small details that are that in the end you know add up and 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 make your your solution better that than what what's out there my final question for you so i ask a lot of different questions that i prepare but sometimes uh, you know our guests uh, want to talk about some other things that, that, that I couldn't cover or that I didn't cover. Is there any topic that we didn't cover in this conversation that you'd like to talk about, you believe to be important for aspiring entrepreneurs and, and, and entrepreneurs that are already working on their ideas? Well, there's basically one message I always like to share, which is uh, simply put uh, for entrepreneurs to always choose the sustainable option whenever they have to make a choice. Um, I mean, we are in a in a business um, 
that is all about health and, and especially also sustainability. But there are many businesses as well that are not in the area of sustainability, which is perfectly fine. Not all businesses have to to make the world more sustainable. But but you will still, um, each business will still always um, reach a point where they have to make decisions or choices between certain options. And you will always get the one um, that is... Uh, in the short term, very profitable, but most probably it's the one that is um, either socially or ecologically not not the most the most sustainable one. And and what proved for our business to be right was as well that the option that is long term socially and ecologically more sustainable is also long term more profitable for the business and. I mean, as a startup, um, it, uh, you're in the lucky position um, that you're not stock exchange driven. You don't have to deliver um, each month and each quarter, but you can really take long-term decisions in order to put uh, your company on, 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 on good and stable grounds. So this leaves you also room to take um, decisions um, that, uh, might, that might only play out um, more profitably in the long run. So this is uh, something that I that I always preach, and that you should always go for the for the sustainable uh, for the sustainable option or solution, not because it's the right thing to do. I mean, it also is the right thing to do, but also because most probably in most cases it will be uh, long term also the most more most profitable one. Yeah, for sure. I think that's such an important message. We, we, uh, I, I talk about it with my startup co-founder as well. That you know, go long term, uh, think long term, you know, talk long term. Uh, so it's basically the same, right? Sustainability is about long term options. Uh, I think it's super important because what I feel is that is that big businesses and and also people, humans, um, tend not to really think long term. Um, you know, we eat trash, uh, and so long term, our health is 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 gonna decline because of that. Uh, but we enjoy it in the short term. You know, we like that type of food, and so we eat it. Um, so there's so many things that long term don't make sense, uh, but that we still do. So I feel in my experience is that that you really have to have that in the front of your head. You know, think long term, because there's always going to be people who who ask you, you know, wh- why don't you take that project or, or that money or, or whatever. So I really love, uh, love that, you, that you shared that. All right. Well, that was it. A bit longer than expected. Uh, it was a very, very interesting story. Thanks so much for taking the time, uh, sharing your insights, sharing your, your opinion and your experience with Oxygen at Work. Um, where can people reach you um, and, and reach the, the company? Uh, well, thank you, Daniel. It was a very, uh, it was a great conversation. Just uh, you will find us um, everywhere on our website, oxygenatwork.org. We are on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Just reach out to me if you're uh, if you're interested in learning more or have other ideas. If you believe uh, we can partner up with us in any way or simply are interested in the solution. Um, yeah, you will. It shouldn't be too hard to find us online. 
Right. I love the I love the name you chose. It's really straightforward. All right. Thank you so much and uh, have a great day and, and all the best to 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 everyone at Oxygen at Work. Thank you. Same to you. That was it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Startup Stories. Make sure to check out the show notes with additional links at nerdentrepreneurs.com. And if you like our podcast, leave a review on iTunes. Cheers. Cheers.